Hey, everybody. Got a quick announcement before we kick off today's episode. Uh, We've got just a couple of days for you all to make sure you sign up for a special giveaway. Hunter's HD Gold has been so kind to agree to give away not just one, but two of their incredible Hunter's HD Gold eyewear. Perfect eyewear for protecting your eyes on the range, at the match, or doing whatever it is you like to do. So, you got a couple more days to sign up for the giveaway. It was going to expire Saturday night, but we have now extended it to this coming Tuesday. I believe that's the 20th of October at noon Mountain Time. So, make sure you head on over to concealedcarry.com forward slash podcast prize and sign up for this great opportunity to be one of two lucky winners of a new pair of Hunter's HD Gold glasses. Again, concealedcarry.com forward slash podcast prize. Make sure you let your friends and family know as well. Get them signed up as well because not only do you have an opportunity to win, but so do they. Now, we will be announcing the first winner on Sunday the 18th before USPSA Factory Gun Nationals kicks off, or at least before before I shoot. Uh, and, and then we're doing the second uh, giveaway winner announcement uh, at the conclusion of USPSA Factory Gun Nationals. That's Tuesday afternoon, evening time frame. So that's going to be super exciting. Again, head on over to concealedcarry.com forward slash podcast prize and get signed up. Thanks so much, guys. We'll kick off the episode now. This is the Concealed Carry Podcast, episode number 451. And welcome to the Concealed Carry Podcast, part of the Concealed Carry Podcast com network i am your host riley bowman and i have with me producer <laughs> master me. of many things <laughs> <laughs> it's me it's matthew yeah i'm back matthew marister can't get rid of me master matthew marister that's a mouthful right there <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm just happy to be back man glad we uh we took a couple well we missed last week but um it's good to be back, man. That's right. Yeah, last week. So we did only do one episode last week. Uh, it was a complicated week. There was lots going on. Yeah. And uh, um, anyway, it is what it is. But the thing is, we're kind of back on schedule. So traditionally, our Tuesday episodes have been odd-numbered episodes, and Thursdays have been even-numbered episodes. And we got off schedule at one point and stayed off schedule. So now we're back on schedule as far as uh, staying true to the odd even thing. So today's episode is a industry news and gear reviews episode. Uh, we got a lot of great content to cover with you guys. Uh, we're going to talk about the death of Remington, uh, their bankruptcy and sell off and who has ended up with what. Some pretty interesting things there. We're going to talk about one other major fire manufacturer in in this country that is doing really well and is expanding that's kind of cool so meanwhile we have one that's basically dead and another that is the opposite of that so a little interesting uh uh contrast there we'll get into some some stuff with the supreme court we're gonna talk about uh justice uh 
Amy Coney Barrett, uh, her co- confirmation hearing is going on today in the Judiciary Committee in the Senate, uh, including some things uh, that have already come out of that. So this will be up to date as far as uh, some of that news is concerned. Plus an interesting, not really a report, but a, 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 a paper. I don't know. What do you call this? What was this? There was, there was some kind of virtual event, online event that Harvard put on that where they are basically, the concept was reimagining some of our rights in this country. Yeah, yeah. Interesting ramifications from this one. So we're going to talk about that as well. Plus a couple of cool products that Matthew and I are going to review. Super excited about today's episode, guys. Uh, Today's episode is brought to you by the Range Tech Shot Timer, particularly the Range Tech Bluetooth Shot Timer. Uh, Hey, if you don't have a Shot Timer product, here's mine right here. Boom, Range Tech, bam. If you don't have a shot timer product, this would be a great place to start because this is the lowest price shot timer on the market and it works and it works well and it does stuff that other shot timers frankly don't do. So check it out. Go to rangetechtimer.com and pick up your own range tech shot timer. Well, you know what? One of the things it does do that it has that light that blinks and gives you a go indicator. So you can yep. visibly um, see a visual indicator rather than aud- only an auditory. So that's pretty yep. cool. And there's a link in, in today's uh, episode show notes uh, that uh, uh, to an article, actually, that I think Jacob wrote that talks about that and ways to use a, sh- a shot timer product like ours with a visual stimulus instead of... So this little dot, this little hole right here, that little guy right there, those of you that are viewing, that's where the little LED light is that is synchronized with the beep and so you can actually use that as a visual indicator as opposed to just having an auditory indicator so pretty cool stuff visual indicator is a valuable thing to practice as well we think we feel yeah and for those of you that are hard of hearing our shot timer as far as we know is the only one out there that is hard hearing compatible because of that visual indicator yeah Today's uh, episode also sponsored by a, a new a new venture of sorts. So I am authorized to share with you all that uh, concealcare.com, we are launching a new brand uh, that we are we are funneling some of our other existing products into as well as we're bringing some new products to you here, hopefully in the near future. And this new brand is called Ready Up Gear. ReadyUpGear.com is the site where you can find it. ReadyUpGear spelled, just in case it's not clear, because I know how sometimes audio can be. And speaking of hard of hearing folks, some of you are not, they, maybe you don't hear the words that come out of my mouth as well. And I don't always dictate my words as clearly as I probably could or should. ReadyUpGear. ReadyUp is a, a R-E-A-D-Y-U-P-G-E-A-R.com. ReadyUpGear.com. Uh, we specifically today are talking about a new EarPro product. So over-the-ear muffs, ear, hearing protection. Uh, speaking of hard of hearing, we want to make sure those of you that can hear can still hear. <laughs> so always make sure you shoot with uh, good quality hearing protection. And ReadyUp Gear has just launched the new Roger 22 earmuff ear protection. Uh, they're meant to be a nice, you know, low cost, you know, affordable hearing protection over the ear muff uh, that are, you know, great quality. 
we have some other products coming here in the future to the ready up gear brand you can go to readyupgear.com to check out what's available right now it's a relatively limited list right now but that will be growing and expanding here soon and specifically if you want to check out the roger 22 earmuffs go to readyupgear.com forward slash roger 22 as in r-o-g-e-r 22 the numerals two so super excited about ready up gear and what that means and also again some of the stuff that's coming i I wish i could tease more than that but we're going to remain mum on some of the things that we're working on so in fact i'll be sporting the ready up gear uh roger 22s at the uspsa nationals excited about that and if people are, if you happen to see any of my match photos or videos, if you look close, you'll get a sneak peek of something that is coming maybe soon. <laughs> so anyway, guys, all right. Today's episode, we told you is industry news and gear reviews. So let's talk about the death Remington. Matthew, tell us what, where, where are we right now? Or how do we get to this point? Yeah, I mean, the reason why I said it's kind of a, been a slow death, right? Like we we've seen. I I don't. I think they've filed bankruptcy at least two times that I know of. Um, and it, in recent history. Yeah, I mean, and recently, I I don't have a good memory, so you know, it it had to be pretty recent. But no, like it had to be within the last couple of years that they've filed bankruptcy twice. Uh, they couldn't get their stuff together. They're you know, they got into kind of uh, some other ventures of different types of firearms and things like that. And that just never really uh, seemed to pan out. And financially, they just I think they were in a place that they couldn't they were trying to like kind of grasp at different projects that might be able to pull them out of the the trajectory that they were on and just couldn't do it. And finally, you know, they ended up uh, selling off. But we had covered their bankruptcies and different things about what was happening with Remington for on the podcast. I know for at least two years. So this wasn't something shocking, but it kind of, it sucks because they've been around for what, hundred years or more. Um, so, yep. Oh yeah. A long time. It is shocking. It is disappointing. Um, you're exactly right. That I mean, so Remington has become this massive conglomerate, right? Like a number of other companies out there in our industry, uh, I mean, for instance, Vista Outdoors, which we're going to talk about here in a minute, a uh, massive company with tons of brands under their umbrella. And Remington had done something similar. And that over the years, Remington, you know, they had all these different divisions. They had the Remington Arms, the actual firearms piece, which is is Remington's roots, goes back way back. Remington Ammunition, which also has been around a long time uh, in, you know, Recent years, uh, they had acquired companies like Barnes Bullets, Bushmaster, Marlin, DPMS, AAC Silencers, Tapco, and other brands. And knowing a few people in the industry, including some that have worked at Remington, I'll tell you this much. Remington had, had I guess had <laughs> now, a, a pretty strong kind of traditional corporate structure. It was very, uh, I would say, non-flexible in their approach and the way they do do things or did things. And you know, so, for instance, with acquiring companies like AAC, right, makers of, of silencers and suppressors, um, great product, was a booming business when, when they acquired Remington. One of the reasons why Remington wanted them, uh, acquired them, 
uh, paid a lot of money uh, to Kevin uh, B and his, you know, uh, he, he was the founder of AAC, uh, Kevin Brittingham that is, and, uh, you know, and then a and then Remington basically is run a, I mean, like AAC could have been this, this really big revenue generator for them, but they've just, it's, it's done nothing, right? It, it hasn't, as far as I know, hasn't really grown in the market. If anything, it's probably shrunk. Um, so it seems like almost anything that Remington has touched has not really done particularly well. And I would say that's usually a sign of how a company is run and who's running it and the culture of that company. Uh, we've joked for years about, you know, Remington trying to come out with new handgun products, you know, so the, the what RP 45 or whatever it's called. Right. See, I, I can't, the sad thing is I can't remember what some of these products are because they're so non-memorable, <laughs> you know, it, it's uh, true. the first time I held that new pistol, I was like, Ugh, like really? <laughs> and they were going after, they were going after the, uh, uh, kind of low end market with it. Well, we're going to make this American made low cost. And frankly, you looked at it pretty low quality pistol and what a, what a joke of a gun it was. Um, they had the failed launch of that, you know, the, the R 51 or whatever. Um, meaning that it looked like a, could be a pretty cool single stack, nine millimeter gun. It was based off an old Remington design, uh, but it had problems. And then they had to re-engineer it and then they sort of relaunch it. And that just through that whole process, it was just a disaster and it just never took off. Uh, they the good things they had going was the, you know, their, their classic bolt action rifles, their shotguns that have been around a long time and proven platform. And they made pretty decent 1911 and 2011 pistols. That's about it. Well, maybe the ammunition. Which okay ammunition, yeah. but I would say even that the, the, there's not been a lot of innovation in recent history, and quality I would say is, has suffered as well. Because I mean, some like your your standard Remington like UMC uh, right. ammo, your your cheap you know plinker ammo. I, I never had in recent years. I haven't had good success with that stuff you know, as far as having uh, duds. You know, mm-hmm. in every box of ammo you pretty much would buy. At least I I had I had a few. So anyway, Remington dies a slow death, as you described it. Uh, we've talked about it before. We talked about the bankruptcy, I think, even in our last news episode. But here's the here's the latest update. Here's the latest news on Remington. So Remington sold off a bunch of assets. And here's what we know. So right now, the winning bidders for Remington, Remington's assets. So the Remington firearms portion of the business has been bought by a, by an investor group called Round Hill Group. Uh, they also acquired an, another Remington asset known as Dakota Firearms, which probably nobody's heard of, uh, also acquired by Round Hill Group. The ammunition division, I know Palmetto State Army was trying hard to get the ammo uh, division, but actually Vista Outdoor got Remington ammo. And you know what? That's probably for the best because Federal's killing it. Okay, Federal CCI, Spear, all that, that whole conglomerate that operation they're making good stuff they're making good quality ammunition okay and i think vista outdoor will take remington ammo 
And I assume they're going to keep the name. I, I assume they're going to, you know, because that, that name does carry some very significant brand equity. A lot of a lot of weight in in that Remington name, and in, even in that ammunition division. Uh, but I imagine that the quality will improve, and that they'll get things up and going. The sad thing is, we're in this massive ammunition shortage, Matthew. And literally, like as this is happening, Remington is imploding and laying people off and shutting things down. Uh, you know, like six hundred employees were furloughed like three weeks ago. Mm-hmm. I think from even just their maybe that was company wide or maybe that was their ammunition. I don't remember. So, so here you, you basically have a, a major manufacturer that's probably not even really making ammo right now. Yeah. It, and not right? just the ammo, but the guns too. I mean, people are buying guns at crazy numbers yep. and yep. they can't sell. It's like, you know, yep. it, it, it's just a, it's a definite sign that something that it was, it, uh, it was unsustainable, whatever they were doing. Yep. So Roundhill Group acquiring the firearms division, who knows what's going to happen with that, right? Whether it's going to turn it around or not. Remington Ammo, I think is I, I think that was a good thing. That was a good acquisition by Vista Outdoor. Uh, Barnes Bullets, acquired by Sierra Bullets. Also, I think a good thing. This one's kind of exciting. Ruger acquired Marlin Firearms. Marlin has been owned by Remington for a number of years. Uh, I think that's a good thing. I think Ruger will... will improve upon Marlin. I think we'll even maybe stay helps. I, I think they'll stay true somewhat to Marlin's roots, but maybe we'll see some, some new invasive things come out of Marlin as well. Uh, Bushmaster acquired by Franklin army holdings. So Franklin army that kind of makes some really interesting stuff, usually AR 15 related. Uh, they acquired Bushmaster Tapco was, was acquired by Sportsman's warehouse of all places. Thought that was interesting. And then get this, Palmetto State Armory acquired DPMS, H&R Firearms, AAC Silencers, Parker Shotguns, and Storm Lake Barrels. Wow. That's huge. Yeah. Uh, And I think in most of these cases, particularly with Ruger, Sierra, Vista Outdoor, I think those were positive acquisitions. I don't know what PSA whether what this means, whether that that's a good thing for these brands, uh, neither a good thing nor a bad thing, or if it's a bad thing, I think time will tell. Uh, I think Palmetto's trying to do some innovative things. I think they're, I think they want to be a big player. I think they want to improve their quality and quality control. Uh, whether they can actually do that and overcome their reputation. I don't know. Yeah. So we'll see what happens. Time will it's tell. pretty interesting that they, that they, that, I mean, they have a whole silencer company now as part of Palmetto state armory. So I'll bet they're pretty excited about that as well. Oh yeah. And, and they're a good company. They, they do well. So we'll see. Yeah. Paul asks, what does anybody know about Roundhill group? Uh, I know nothing. Uh, apparently there's some kind of real estate investor company. So basically it sounds like an investor group. that just has a lot of money. <laughs> and so they are able to acquire the firearms division. Um, so we will see. <laughs> yeah. We will see. Could be interesting. Wow. Yeah. Um, all right. So that is that's the current news on Remington and where a lot of those assets are going to end up. 
And of course, there's no guarantee that these companies that acquired any of these are going to continue them. But I imagine in many cases they will, because again, that you know these are brands that do have uh, a strong brand recognition in the industry. Uh, people have positive feelings even toward a lot of these brands. I, I'm positive towards Marlin. My first rifle I bought uh, was a Marlin 6022 long rifle. And I still own that, that rifle. It's a great little 22 plinker. I love shooting that thing. You know, so I have these uh, positive feelings towards some of those brands and, and look forward to seeing what the future brings. Right on. Uh, all right. On to some, some contrasting news. Uh, this actually just came out this morning. This is a fresh press release from Sig Sauer. Sig Sauer announces the expansion of their New Hampshire operations to Rochester, New Hampshire, which is just up the road from their. So here's the thing. Com- the company's been their their headquarters have been based in uh, Newington uh, for some number of years now, which is just I mean it's right there with uh, uh, um, what's the other little it's right there on the uh, Portsmouth Portsmouth New Hampshire Newington is just right right there next to Portsmouth uh, Exeter New Hampshire is where the firearms have actually been built at a plant there for a number of years. Okay. And that's just like 15, 20 minutes away. Well, apparently they're running out of room. So they have acquired a massive building or complex. Uh, it's called the Crossroads Industrial Park. It sits on 35 acres with up to 210,000 square feet of space. They're saying this is an expansion, but and it's a multi-building campus, uh, but it looks like they're talking about moving manufacturing because that's what it says here. It says that uh, that they are moving manufacturing capabilities and operations to this Rochester campus. Mm-hmm. Uh, so either way, it, this is an expansion, and you know, pretty uh, pretty exciting stuff for Sig Sauer. I mean, talk about a company that has a lot of the same types of components like what Remington had, but has a totally different story. Sure. Right. Where they're winning all these massive contracts where, you know, every year it seems like they just keep going gangbusters and releasing new, exciting industry changing stuff. Now look at how changing to the industry, the P365 has been. Yeah. It forced a lot of other companies to, to compete. Right. Right. You got the Hellcat. I mean, yeah, it, it, and that's that's the cool thing. And I think we covered not too long ago. Didn't they just open up a new manufacturing plant in the states? They moved well something. the ammunition division yeah. down in Arkansas. That's, uh, that's a relatively was. new plant. Yes, right. Yeah. So, so you know, but here here's a company right that that has firearms, ammunition, silencers, uh, that has. Uh, uh, optics division, right? All you know, they, they've got a lot of the same. Oh, and they're training yeah, about the ammunition. They're, they've got their own bullets, right? Their own design and everything. Uh, training, yes, the six hour academy. So they have all, all these same kind of pieces like what Remington had, but very, very different, right? I mean, so when Remington came out with the R51, I think that they felt like that was pretty innovative. And I remember there was all this press about design of the R51 and how it's going to be a lot you know, less recoiling, flatter shooting, you know, single stack, sub or micro compact nine millimeter. And that may have been true, but, but contrast that with something like the P365 that literally turned the whole sub and micro compact world upside down on its head. All right. Um, that's the contrast. 
And this is, you know, this, this is a country six hour. I'm talking about now that, that they catch a lot of flack and probably rightfully so in that some of their innovation, a lot of times gets themselves and gets them in trouble. I, I say gets them in trouble. They might not think that, but things like changing optics and footprints and, and, and little design changes on some of the pistols, like even look at the P320 series, right? Little things that have changed things like, well, they had one design, the P320, but then they come up with the X-Series 320s, and the magazine design has to change because the old magazines don't fit in the new X-Series frame or grip module. You know, So just it's stuff like that. that they're constantly, constantly invading, and that comes with pros and cons. And the pros are they come out with products that change the industry and drives for them a lot of business why they're successful, but also the innovation sometimes means they do stuff that pisses people off. <laughs> right. Right. So I guess, you know, we'll, we'll take the innovation that sometimes changes things that maybe people don't want changed, but we'll take that over a company that's flourishing and expanding and growing and providing more American industry and jobs than one that is a big flop and a failure in yeah. recent history. Yeah. It's sad. Right? It's sad. It's, it's sad for Remington, but it's kind of a cautionary tale, right? Is, I mean, you can do it good. You can do it bad. They both, I mean, the company has been around a hundred years and they couldn't sustain what they were doing. Um, and, and I think it all goes into like what you were talking about innovation. Cause if you don't innovate, at least in today's, you know, uh, ability to get stuff online and buy stuff and, and, you know, look at this and this and look at different prices right there. It's no longer like, well, I got to, you know, look through a Sears catalog to, to buy something, right? Like I can get instant comparisons of things. And if you're not innovating and, and it's just, you're not going to make it today. You're just not going to do it. So, yeah. Yeah, I agree. I, I think the key is if you can be extremely innovative, but but do it in a in a I guess maybe a more controlled fashion. I don't know if that's a way of framing. Yeah, what well, company that's that's a bit of a super company that we should probably talk about sometime in greater depth, perhaps even on this podcast. And that's Walter, particularly their their U.S. division and what they're doing here. Um, bit of a sleeper. Okay, just just prepare yourself, folks. That there's Walter is doing a lot of really cool stuff and a lot of a lot of the right stuff. I think in in that uh, what's coming out of Walter is very promising and very good quality, very well designed, and again, innovative. So uh, just uh, keep keep an eye on Walter. I would just kind of throw it out there as a little bit of a of a, of a, of a tip. <laughs> and I know for a fact, by the way, that at Shot Show assuming there is a shot show this year, Walter will be releasing some, some pretty cool stuff. Some insider trading stuff, Riley. I don't, I don't have, (laughs) no, it's out there. There's some, there's whisperings of it out there. It's just, I don't have, I don't personally have a lot of specifics, but, but I, I know some, some folks that know, and I know that there's some cool stuff coming. Cool. Let's turn now to this Harvard report, Uh, pushes gun control as rights 
reimagined. This is according to bearingarms.com, but there's an associated link in the show notes as well that shoots you over to the actual publishing of this on, on Harvard's website. And I'll just give you a heads up that if you, if you go to that Harvard website article, you, you want to scroll down and click on a link that says, see this, the executive summary. And that's where you're going to see the, the real meats and meat and potatoes. Uh, of what's in here. And I, I took a little bit of a deep dive into this to see what they really were seeing, uh, reimagining the Second Amendment. Matthew, give me your take and what you you found in this. Yeah, first of all, uh, maybe it's a pet peeve with me, but I hate the word reimagining. I don't know what it means. Like, I, I don't think it has any substance or value. But anyways, uh, this report goes into how to reimagine a bunch of different um, rights that we believe basically are um, uh, God-given or innate rights that the government doesn't give to us, but we have them just because we exist, right? And so um, the government exists to protect those rights so they can't be taken away. Um, And so it goes through all of these rights that we are basically the foundation of, of our freedoms. Um, and one of them obviously is the second amendment. So it's a pertinent to our discussion. So they go through and they set up this, this, um, analysis that they do and it's completely biased. They, they make a bunch of assertions that, um, are not backed up with any, any statistical facts or, or reality. Um, and then they go into five different ways that you can reimagine, reimagine rights and responsibilities. And one is mandate gun, gun regulation, ban category. Number two is ban categories of gun sales and restrict gun ownership. Number three is regulate the sale and manufacture of guns. Number four is institute federal gun buyback programs like they owned them to begin with. Um, And number five, expand research and polling on gun violence. And all of this is and and they break it down and, and give you, you know, their their ridiculous justification for these five things. But all of it stems around the idea that the gun is the problem of violence. Like there's no other in this, there's no other aspect that's related to society's influence or, um, you know, any other factors to somebody committing a crime with a firearm. It's all, if there were no guns or if we made it, we did these five things and, you know, made it so impossible that anybody could have a gun, then that would somehow, uh, end violence. Right. And it just, we know it doesn't happen, but it's just, and it comes across as this, like they try to build it as this, like, oh, it's a nonpartisan, it's a think tank of all these different ideas and we're coming together. And it's an echo chamber for gun control to the extreme. And they're trying to phrase it as, oh, we're just reimagining your freedoms. Well, no, you're you're not reimagining. And maybe you are, I guess maybe that's the term reimagining is you're imagining them going away. Like that's your imagination, but it's, uh, it's interesting reading. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So I'm, I'm looking at the actual link on the Harvard's website and you know, that this is how this is explained is that, uh, Researchers at Harvard Kennedy School's Carr Center for Human Rights provides a guide for the nation wrestling with its values. <laughs> you know, because this is all this turmoil and stuff, right? So we don't know who we are anymore. 
Right. We're trying, we're in this, this period of trying to rediscover who we are as Americans. Uh, blue for protecting expanding citizens' rights. So, so they they tell us that the goal is to expand citizens' rights, right? Proposes policy changes to strengthen democratic processes, safeguard equal protection, equal opportunity, and due process of law, and better protect freedoms of speech, media, religion, and privacy. Curious that they mentioned some things there that are guaranteed in the in the Bill of Rights specifically. Speech, media, religion, privacy, but they don't mention the Second Amendment. Mm-hmm. So, so this is supposedly all about increasing or improving or expanding citizens' rights, everything except for the Second Amendment one. <laughs> uh, so on the surface, some of that sounds really good. And I haven't dived into some of the parts of this report uh, but but you covered the, the basics as far as what they're basically saying about uh, uh, firearms, and uh, they they want to re- they're, they're recommending that we restrict gun rights you know further sure. because the government needs to balance public safety with the Second Amendment with individuals' rights to right. own a gun. What's Which curious? Well, go ahead. I mean, which is done right now. Like there are certain limitations, right? Like the, the the Supreme Court's rule that, yes, you can balance those two things. But what they're advocating is not a balance. They're saying it's a balance, but what they want is a, basically a, 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 a total gun confiscation ban type thing where nobody except the ultra connected or wealthy would be able to have firearms, yeah. Um, and, and, and it's crazy because the justification, I mean, like how they're doing this, they put some statistics in there that don't even correlate. Like one of the, one of the statistics in here, they say that, um, 2020 national poll demonstrate that Americans seeking this balance, 52% believe that America has the right to bear arms 52%. Okay. And they say that that is very important. But then they go in and say many more, 85% believe that a right to personal safety is very important. And they they basically put the two at odds with one another. When in reality, if somebody's concerned about the right to personal safety, that also puts them pro 2A because that is the, that, that's yeah. why people carry firearms, right? Like I'm, I'm glad you actually... You cued on cued in on the same thing I picked up on when I was reading this. You, that was I was actually going to share this very same quote from this report. <laughs> they they quote these two statistics: fifty two percent believe right to bear arms is very important, but many more eighty five percent believe a right to personal safety is very important. As if they're that they're not two inclusive things that that they're. I mean, because if imagine imagine you're you're do, you're doing a poll, right? You're calling around, you're doing a survey, and you're asking people, "Do you believe a right to personal safety is important?" Who's <laughs> yeah. going to say no? And I define my personal safety by my ability to carry my gun with me, or to have my gun at home in ready to use configuration to defend my family or my person at home or abroad. <sighs> yeah, it's, this it's is a problem when you get this is a problem when you get smart, you know, 
educated people <laughs> yeah. uh, talking about things and researching things that they don't understand themselves because they don't see, they don't, yeah, there's definitely some stunning career effect going on here with these very smart Harvard educated people doing these studies. Yeah, and it's it's unfortunate because what's happening is people are starting to uh, you know give up their freedoms because they're being coerced to believe that those freedoms are bad and it, it, instead of, you know, understanding that um, sure, you know, we don't want every single person, uh, you know, if you're a terrorist, you're a convicted terrorist, you blew up uh, the World Trade Center. Nobody thinks that that person should have a firearm, right? Like, I, I don't think so. I don't, I think that that's not gun control. That's, you know, that's balancing, balancing those things, right? But it doesn't mean that they're not going to be capable of getting one. And the only way that they're going to prohibit everybody who they believe shouldn't have a firearm is to make them so impossible to purchase, to produce. I mean, this goes into, remember one of, one of them is, uh, uh, where is it? It's, uh, reimagining. Here we go. It is one of the ways to reimagine is, um, ban categories of gun sales and restrict gun ownership and then regulate the sale of sale and manufacture. So there, I mean, it's a multi-pronged, attack to keep people from even having the ability to have a firearm, not just bad people that kill people, but you that want to defend your family. It's crazy. It's insane. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'm sure somebody out there is going to point at this Harvard study report thingy and say, Hey, Harvard says this is right. what we got to do. Exactly. You know, and then those guys are really smart over there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they're probably too smart for their own good. Yeah. That's the way I see it. I, I'm, I'm not, I, I'm sure they're smart. They're probably smarter than I am. I, I wouldn't deny that. But uh, I will tell you that if you can't understand that people own firearms for self-defense, and when you ask them a question, 85% say self-defense is important, and you don't tie that to firearm ownership, and you think mm -hmm. it's the opposite, you might be smart, but you don't understand. You're not wise in what you're actually doing. You're looking at it through a lens with a specific goal. And that's why you miss something like that because well, you don't go into it objectively. You look at it and how can we manipulate these statistics to prove our, 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 you know, our already, uh, you know, conclusion, conclusion. So. I, I'm I'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt that they're not trying to intentionally manipulate things. Um, it could be that, but I, I'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt on that. But more just that they don't understand. I mean, you have to keep in mind this is somebody. This is a this is a Harvard University team of researchers that are probably also Harvard educated or by other Ivy League schools. They they live in the Boston area of Massachusetts. It's a very far cry, very different from people who live in Kansas, Iowa, Oklahoma, Utah, right? Mississippi, Florida. I mean, just they, they, they don't even have any frame of reference or any way of understanding how other people think. 
And then when I mean when I say that they're probably too smart for their own good, what I'm getting at is that yeah, this is where we this is like the separation between book smarts and street smarts. And and the separation there is that you can get so stinking smart that stuff in theory sounds really good, but the reality is very different. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I believe that people are people and like you mentioned, they live in a different area and they're different. And I, I, I think I'll qualify and I know what you're saying, but just to clear it up for somebody who just, you know, is listening for, you know, 30 seconds, um, people are people, we're all the same, but because of where we live, we may, that might shape the way we look at certain political you know, politics and, and things in general. Um, but, you know, what these, what this, what these types of studies do, and I, I use the term study loosely, is it is definitely has a slant based off of their own limited view of the world. And um, I mean, you go, if you read this, I mean, tell me if, and I'm just going to read a sentence from this study and tell me if this has anything to do with reimagining gun rights. And it says, gun owners are predominantly white, older, rural, and Southern. What in the world does that have to do with a right? It has zero. Like, I don't care if you're white or black or yellow or whatever. I don't care if you're older or younger, rural, city, Southern, Northern, Western, Eastern. It doesn't matter. So why, when we're in a debate or a a conversation about rights, do those things come in? Well, it only comes in if you're trying to manipulate, you're trying to present a specific uh, ideology and a specific end result. And then when you go through and read this, it is inside this, is, you'll just begin to start seeing these red flags. Just this has not, it's not objective. There's nothing to do with your, your reimagining rights. Sure. You're reimagining the country in, in a way that you want it to be. And it's just, that's not how people want. People don't want to be categorized by race or where they live as different, you know? And, and I just, uh, this, this was upsetting to me to read, um, like that, but you know, I'll get off my soapbox. Cool. We need to move on. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sorry. No, you're fine, bro. Tacticallife.com reports that the ATF rules the Q, Q's the company, uh, Honey Badger Pistol is an SBR in violation of the National Firearms Act. Uh, so the Q, Honey Badger, is, think of an AR-15 style pistol that's refined right so it, it is it is its own unique design uh you know they did some tweaks to the receivers and, and various things uh to come up with this honey badger design it's pretty cool it's a cool looking thing too and they have their own proprietary uh, uh pistol brace that is associated with this gun so essentially this is a seven inch barrel uh typically I, I, it's a 300 blackout chambered uh short barreled pistol with a stabilizing brace similar to the sb tactical design that many other users are familiar with and use and love uh, of course this has been an area of concern for a number of years that meaning that this is the idea of a stabilizing brace and what oh can i shoulder it can't i shoulder it you know all this stuff has been a debate for a long time atf has gone one way and another way and back another way and but the idea of having a stabilizing brace on a short barreled 
platform like this is nothing new and is quite common in today's age. And in fact, it is common enough that if this were to be applied some sort of uh, legal standard as far as evaluating if this is a, a, a platform in common use, it's getting to it's getting almost to that level where these AR style pistols are pretty commonly in use, sure. right? I'm just making that a point because of potential legal challenges that might come down the road, stuff like this. I also like to point out that tr- if you're being true to the idea of a stabilizing brace, it really is something that does help certain individuals, folks with certain disabilities, missing limbs, for instance, be able to shoot a rifle-style platform one-handed more easily. Mm-hmm. So I, I often wonder with stuff like this, if we could end up with some kind of ADA-type challenge to the ATF trying to eliminate a class of firearms. Because now, all of a sudden, what do these individuals do that might actually depend on a, on a platform like this to hunt or shoot with. Anyway, the Badger with its uh, unique pistol brace recently, Q received a letter saying that they have reclassified this as an SBR, a short barreled rifle, which under legal definition means it has to be taxed. And you've got to apply and pay your. tax for a stamp to acquire one of these. It, this is throwing into it's muddying the waters in a big way with regards to short barreled rifle, like pistol platforms. Uh, You know, I I own a couple of similar things, right? Others, many others do as well. Now, so far, I've only heard that ATF has only sent this letter so far to Q and saying this specific firearm with this brace is no longer, no longer can be considered a, a pistol and a stabilizing brace. It must be defined as an SBR. But I kind of feel like that this could spur into something more. Well, yeah, because they didn't send in the letter, they didn't designate why this brace versus that brace, right? Like why this brace, not that brace. They didn't explain it and say, well, because of these features, this, you know, is not like that. Um, And so the kind of the idea is, well, why this um, does that open the door for that to be uh, banned as well? or not banned, but taxed as well, or the classification change. And what do these gun owners do now? They've legally purchased these. Are they going to grandfather them in? Probably not. So what do you do? Um, you transfer it out of your name. You, you do all kinds of legal mumbo jumbo just to have the same thing at the end of the day. Um, and so I think that that was, that's the scary thing. And, you know, mm-hmm. the, because the, the DOJ is basically making up legislate like, legislating they're they're making up a law that and not explaining it nobody's we don't know who who, they're not elected they're bureaucrats right like so we don't know 
Um, so yep. that's that's the troubling thing. And um, I will say that, you know, the, the White House did put out a statement um, and it said they're working with DOJ to protect our rights. Uh, the White House and leadership at Department of Justice reviewing this matter to ensure there's no interference with the ability of law abiding citizens, including lawful firearms manufacturers to exercise their constitutionally guaranteed liberties. So they may, who knows if this is a rogue, you know, little person or group of people who wanted to do this or what it is, but uh, hopefully, you know, smart people will prevail and they'll either say, this is the thing that we have a problem with, with this specific brace. And if you tweak it, you're in, or they say it was an error and we're withdrawing that or whatever, but mm-hmm. it's got to be resolution somewhere. Yeah. Um, you mentioned the White House putting out its statement, but keep in mind the same White House that pushed for bump stock to be bump banned. Stock. So right. you know, I, I have very little faith in a statement like that. And there's, there was a clarifier in that we're going to review and make sure this isn't you know infringing on people's rights. Right. Uh, well, they could they come back and say, no, we feel like this is if the ATF is right in this regard. Uh, I do appreciate that at the bottom of this article are a bunch of contacts. Uh, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, uh, Chairman of the Senate Committee on Appropriations and Oversee the, com- the committee that oversees funding of the DOJ and ATF is the uh, it, the chairman of that committee is Richard Shelby of Alabama, uh, Chairman of the submit of Subcommittee on Commerce, Justice, Science Related Agencies, also responsible for funding the ATF. That is Senator Jerry Mor- Moran of Kansas, Senator Lindsey Graham, the chairman of the Senate Judiciary Committee, responsible for ATF oversight. He's, of course, he's senator of, uh, of South Carolina in a bit of a tight race there. Uh, got Congressman Jim Jordan uh, of Ohio. Good dude. I like Jim Jordan. Ranking member on the House Judiciary Committee. And uh, it, it, I appreciate that these, all, all the contact info is there. They, uh, we, we are being asked to contact congressional leadership, hopefully bring this to their attention as well. Uh, let them know this is going on and perhaps they can put some pressure on things somewhere as well or do some kind of investigation, you know, because man, the way th- th- this game that ATF keeps playing is just, it's a nasty, nasty game, mm-hmm. right? Where it's like, well, today this thing is okay, but tomorrow it's not, right? right. But wait, already 100 million Americans or whatever has, you know, that's a bit of a stretch, but already this many million of these things have been sold and are owned by Americans, by lobby Americans. It's like with the whole bump stock thing, right? Oh, it's 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 banned, and you're gonna have to sell it back to the government. I suspect that if this goes widespread with regards to pistol braces, that that's where it is headed. It'll go the way of the bump stock that they will push to have this be a mandatory sell back to the government of your legally owned pistol braces. So, yeah. Yeah. We don't want to be asleep at the wheel on this one. <laughs> Agreed. We need to we need to move along. Uh, just going to touch real quick on Justice Amy Coney Barrett, uh, uh, President Trump's nominee to the U.S. Supreme Court. She, their, the hearings began today, this morning, in front of the Senate Judiciary Committee, where she has been brought before them. And uh, uh, actually, I guess, no, to, I think, there were some hearings yesterday as well. Anyway, yes. I was looking to it this morning. Um, interesting stuff. And she had some pretty interesting things and some good things to say. But our own Josh Gillum, managing editor of concealedcarry.com, our blog and editorial content on the site, 
he was watching and listening this morning as well and picked up on something that she said in response to a question asked by Senator Dianne Feinstein. Uh, and she was she was asked about balancing government's uh, compelling interest, as she called it, to prevent gun violence together with Second Amendment and personal individual rights. And Amy Coney Barrett's response said that what she will say about regards to Heller is that Heller re- Heller, the Heller decision leaves room for gun regulations. And that's why there has been a lot of litigation in the lower courts, which makes me constrained not to comment on the limits of it. But Heller does not make a right absolute, which says so the opinion. So um, there's some concern that that she may not be as 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 absolutist, if you will, on the Second Amendment as what we would love to see, of course. Um, now, honestly, that wouldn't necessarily be a surprise. Uh, keep in mind that these, these individuals, people that are considered something like the highest court of the land, the Supreme Court, uh, have got to be absolutely reasonable people. And that means that sometimes what is considered to be reasonable may not necessarily always jive with what we think or we'd like to think is reasonable um particularly with something like the second amendment you know because it's easy to say the second amendment says shall not be infringed however for a long time and since the very early days of this country i'm just saying what the reality is that there have been some restrictions on firearm ownership mm-hmm. so in other words there's a history of it and not only that but but supreme court justices must not only consider the literal wording of constitution of the Constitution, but also prior precedent. And there is quite a bit of precedent. And I, there's a point wonder if her response here, is, I mean, she's not incorrect. The Heller decision was not an absolute defining of a right. There is, there are limitations to it. And almost everything the Supreme Court involves itself these days, I believe, should. Uh, because when, when things start becoming very absolute in how the Supreme Court rules on certain matters, then it starts crossing. It can cross over into making law, being legislative in their approach rather than interpreting very narrow, well-defined issues. Right. So this is a, this is a tough thing because we would love for a court that says shall not be infringed means shall not be infringed. However, it's, it's very complicated. This is a very complex issue when we're talking about our courts and our court system. And also someone that is being very much drilled by the Senate judiciary committee right now by all sides. And she needs to try to kind of, Sometimes things need to be worded in a very diplomatic way. So it's also yeah. hard to understand exactly what her true meaning is as well. Now, we could point to her Cantor decision out of the Seventh uh, uh, Court of Appeals that she considers to be her like most defining thing that she's, you know, decision that she's been a part of. And that is a very telling case to look at because it is a case where a man that was convicted of a nonviolent felony then sued the court, appealed to the court to have his gun, his second amendment rights restored because 
hey, I didn't do anything bad. I didn't violate the law with a gun. I didn't commit a violent crime. Um, I did do this thing. I've served my time. Now I'd like to have my guns back, please. And in a a three-panel judge ruling where two said, we're going to go with an intermediate scrutiny test on this matter, meaning that they gave the government a lot more leeway in its restriction of Second Amendment rights. She went with a strict scrutiny standard, which I think that should be more the standard in Second Amendment matters. And in her, I think her dissenting opinion on that case is, is very telling about the way she views the Second Amendment. And I think it's a positive thing. Yeah. No, I, your take. no I agree. I was going to make those same comments at, or points at the end that uh, I, I know you can take the, 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 the quote she said about Heller as a, that she's not pro to a, um, but I think when she, her answers and watching her answer these, these questions, she was sticking strictly to um, the, the, the text of the constitution and the ruling and the scope of the, of the, of the, of Heller decision. Right. And yeah. truthfully, she's correct. Like, just like you said, that, that it doesn't, uh, uh, it does, or it does leave open the possibility for uh, more regulation. And I don't think that we can necessarily jump to the conclusion that because she views the Heller decision that way, that she's for uh, gun reform or, or, you know, gun control or whatever you want to call it. Um, and exactly like you said, I think she's very, uh, she was, she was very impressive listening to her answer. And I think when you look at that, that uh, decision, when she dissented and she even said, you know, um, that, that there is a difference between a violent felony and, uh, and felonies, like people get felonies for crazy stuff and they lose their rights. And she said, this is, there's a difference between a constitutionally protected right and something that is um, a civic right, like voting, where it's not necessarily a constitutionally protected right. It's a civic right. And here is a, it is a second amendment, right? And so we give, we restore for this, right? But we're not restoring uh, rights yeah. for this. And, and so she got kind of grilled on that, but I think her answers are far more articulate than me uh, explaining her answer. But um, I, I have a, I have a feeling that she's going to be, uh, you know, and, and truthfully, we want somebody who's going to interpret the con or take the constitution, not change it around, interpret it has, uh, has it as it should be. And I think she's the person. And if that's the case, then, you know, the decisions come back the you know, favorable for the second amendment. Yeah. Well, I'm optimistic as well in regard. Yeah. Uh, I just give you, uh, just referencing that King decision uh, again and, and her approach in that decision. And I know we need to move on, but uh, where she, she, again, she took more of a strict scrutiny approach in her dissent. And what a strict scrutiny then requires is that the government must show how the, you know doing x thing protects the people's interest and right. safety and in regards to this canter case her point is the government can't really show how keeping guns out of the hands of nonviolent offenders like canter or martha stewart a great great example um how that is related to the goal of protecting public safety right it, 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 I, I appreciate that approach. 
that is refreshing. Uh, that is a refreshing repro- approach to this type of issue. Because again, clearly she was in the minority in that decision, uh, and uh, it just goes to show how important our picks, uh, those that are selected for the federal courts, are are because there's so much there's so much that takes place below the Supreme Court um, that. Uh, yeah, you know, she she's a well-qualified judge. We'll see how it goes. Hopefully she doesn't let us down, assuming that she is put in. I believe that she will be, um, but uh, I, I'm optimistic at least. We need to move on and, and, and get to our gear reviews, Matthew. All right. Uh, I'm going to go first this time. I think you went first last time. Yeah, probably. I could be wrong, but that's what I recall. So I'm super excited to share with you all uh, a relatively – well, it's a new product for me. Uh, I just got this in my hands a few weeks back, and this is the Fix-It Sticks The Works kit. This is a tool kit. They call it The Works. They have a number of different kits and, and different you know options out there for various purposes, but The Works is a pretty comprehensive kit. covers a lot of different angles, pistol, rifle, and even shotguns to some extent, meaning that we even have things like a choke uh, adapter key uh, in this kit for changing out chokes and stuff on a variety of chamberings of sh- as far as shotguns go. Uh, so that's pretty cool. But in this kit, we've got tons of different quarter inch, you know, your standard hex quarter inch uh, bits uh, in a bunch of different sizes, both in hex keys, Phillips, flatheads, torques, uh, metric and standard both, um, particularly on the hex key side. Super, you know, a lot of a lot of options there for uh, pretty much anything that you can imagine you would need for turning, tightening, loosening something on a gun or gun related product. Uh, you've got bits for that purpose. You've got uh, a little half inch socket and a socket adapter. You could certainly add additional sockets as needed uh, if you had specific needs or uses. Uh, you've got a 1911 takedown tool. You got a pry bar. You got a Glock sight tool in here. Even you got the choke tool. You've got AR-15 tools, tools for cleaning bolts and bolt carrier groups on an AR-15. We've got a castle nut uh, uh, wrench tool, punches, cleaning tools. We've got a cleaning brush here, cleaning rods. This is set up for right now for for like a pistol. You could add more rods to this if you want more length for a longer barreled uh, firearm. Uh, got other. Got an AR-15 sight tool, an A2 front sight tool, and then all of this works with this nifty little T-style wrench that allows you to put the bits and tools in any one of these three ends for using it as an actual T wrench, or if you need more leverage, you can turn and use it this way uh, where you use the longer part of the handle and, and, and uh, put the bits or the tools in the shorter uh, in the T part of the handle. I should say, here's the other thing that's really exciting about this kit is it also comes with, Torque limiters, essentially torque wrenches. Uh, torque limiters set already to a specific weight or, or torque mount. And this kit comes with torque limiters of 15 inch pounds, 25, 45, and 65 for a variety of uses and purposes. Really, really cool. I mean, this right away had value to me because this 15 inch pound torque limiter is perfect for some of my optics, my red dot optics. A lot of times they are spec, they're specced for 
uh, using somewhere in the 15 foot pound or 15 inch pound range for tightening the screws on red dots that are mounted on pistols and things like that. So that is super cool because I don't have to worry about over torquing and breaking screws as I'm maybe making a change or installing a new red dot on a pistol or that sort of thing. So really, 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 really cool. Um, by the way, those torque limiters aren't inexpensive and there are four of them that come in this kit. Uh, Fix-It Sticks does have, I think, a, a, rel a newer product that is actually an adjustable torque limiter and you can instead buy one of those. Uh, and you can buy these kits in a variety of setups and, and kind of customize or add to or take away from the kits as you see fit to, to fit your specific needs. Here's the thing. It is not inexpensive, but uh, this is a really, really great toolkit in one all-in-one package that pretty much has everything that I need. This is going with me to USPSA Nationals uh, because this is a small convenient compact package that has everything I need in case I got to do instant on the spot repairs or adjustments to my equipment when I'm at a major uh, match like nationals uh, fix it sticks. The works kit retails for $299. So not inexpensive. I get that, but a really great kit and it, you can tell it's quality. I mean, even down to hollow ground, uh, you know, your, 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 uh, flat head screws and things like that that are shaped the way you want them to. So you're not, you're not, you're less likely to strip screws, things like that. Um, really, really high quality steel. You know, you, it's, it's just a great, great kit. I'm really impressed with this kit from fix it sticks. Very cool. Very cool. The logo's on there somewhere. <laughs> can't see it in the camera. So oh, yeah. check it out. Uh, fixitsticks.com, by the way. That's the website. Fixit, F-I-X-I-T-S-T-I-C-K-S.com. I'm pretty sure is the website. It makes me want to go buy one now. <laughs> I've worn one for a while uh, and uh, was finally able to snag one. So Cool. Very cool. Um, all right. So I'll make mine pretty brief. Um, it's actually three items that I'm reviewing for um, Tyrant Design CNC. They make uh, aftermarket products for handguns and ARs and stuff, mostly for Glocks, um, some MMP Shield and uh, some uh, Sig Sauer guns. But um, what they sent me was a an extended slide stop or slide release, whatever you want to call it. I, I don't care. Um, a backplate, slide backplate cover and a uh, magazine base extension or magazine base plate. Um, but here, the cool, the cool one that I really like is this uh, slides extended slide stop. There you go. You can see it right there. Um, it, it, you know, so in the article I'm, I'm, I, I wrote, um, I kind of almost wanted to call it instead of an extended slide stop an enhanced slide stop, because um, it does have that Chevron pattern, but it doesn't extend out much further than the stock one i had i've been using a vickers extended slide stop um which i liked and it it has a little protrusion on there and I, i've used that for years um riley mentioned that you know with bigger hands and, and i've seen that happen where um with bigger hands and this you know you get a thumbs forward grip um sometimes you can engage that slide stop but this one it, it seems to get it's uh the benefit um 
from the, 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 you know, the texture of it, that Chevron pattern, rather than making it stick out even more. So you may still have that with, uh, if you had an issue with that before, um, you might have it with this one, but maybe not, I don't know, but it does, it feels really good. You can engage it really easily. So I know if you, some people struggle with, uh, locking the slide back and sometimes they just can't get that, uh, slide stop up, but that helps. Um, and then right here, you can see, uh, the back plate, uh, right there. Um, pretty cool. It doesn't do anything as far as enhancing the the performance of the gun, but it looks nice and uh, it's black. Uh, you can get these in different colors. I don't want something shiny or reflective or emblazoned with, you know, pictures and stuff. So it's, it's nice. It has a little nice texture to it, um, but it doesn't reflect light and it, it it's, uh, it's subdued. So I, I like that. And then um, this base plate right here, all of this is CNC aluminum. Um, uh, you can see the base plate, just a basic uh, Glock base plate, uh, slides on really easily, but uh, gives a little bit of weight and a little bit of more texture to the to the bottom of the magazine. Um, and so, yeah, so I'll, I'm that that review should be publishing here pretty soon. Um, but so far, so good. Uh, I like it. And, uh, it, you know, like I said, they're not really a performance enhancement for the slide stop, or I guess if you added a little bit of weight to your magazine, it could help it drop free a little bit easier, or you get a little bit more grip or something. Uh, that's all subjective stuff, but, um, visually they look nice. They perform well. I haven't seen anything. It's a drop in replacement. So, uh, and pretty easy replacement on all those parts. So, you know, your average person can do it. So yeah, Tyrant Design CNC, uh, they got a whole bunch of different colors and different stuff over there, but, uh, check it out. I think it's Tyrant Designs, tyrantdesign.com, I believe, but Google it. You'll find it. <laughs> I'm going to check you on that, bro. <laughs> I think so. Not tyrantdesigns.com. Mm, let me pull it up. <laughs> They're going to. Um, tyrantcnc.com. There you go. Tyrantcnc.com. That's what I said. Yep. Tyrantcnc.com. <laughs> you got me like self-doubting myself now on the fixitsticks.com. Yeah. <laughs> I was correct. Fix All it, right. Fix you it. normally are correct. So. Yeah. All right. So guys, go. thanks for listening to our reviews of these products today. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I was ser seriously Im impressed with the fix it sticks product. I saw your stuff on uh, social that you kind of posted and talked about a little bit, Matthew, and looks like, you know, good quality stuff. Um, you know, I might, I might give one of those a try like the uh, slide stop on a clock or something because I, I wouldn't mind something a little bit more substantial than the stock one, but I got to be really careful. It's not so much the protrusion. It's, it's, I think, I do think it's some of that just as I roll my grip into the gun, uh, my palm gets up there pretty close to where that slide stop is. And this doesn't take a lot. If there's something there to snag it, the protrusion of the uh, uh, Vickers tactical one was, was just enough for my palm to get it. And, sure. You know, I get these false uh, slide lockbacks and you're thinking you're out and you realize you're dumping a half empty <laughs> or half full mag, you know, sure. that's not cool. You know, right. actually really concerning in a, in a gunfight, oh, yeah. uh, you know, to be going along and all of a sudden your, your gun's locked back and it, sh there's no reason for it to be. This is where it's really important that we not only shoot and practice with our guns, but really pressure test some of that stuff. Yeah, because when I'm shooting at a, in a kind of more relaxed 
uh, pace or in a relaxed manner, I don't have that problem with the Vickers, tact- Vickers tactical slide stop. But as soon as I start, you know, really getting aggressive with the gun, shooting like a build drill, that's the classic way that I end up getting that premature slide lock back. Is is you know you need to be aggressive, and I, you know, so pressure testing that equipment, making sure that stuff works for you in a variety of situations. Uh, you you need to yeah you need to make sure that stuff works sure so sure. thanks for your review of the tyrant design stuff man. Yeah, man i know you did one on their uh uh, uh compensator yep a while back yep. yep that was pretty cool too yep it makes some good stuff cool man right on well we better let folks go it's been over an hour uh but uh hope you enjoyed the episode today uh, we remind you that today's episode made possible because your support of episode and podcast sponsors today being primarily range tech shot timers you can find them at rangetechtimer.com and uh hope you would uh, check that out if you don't have a shot timer already that'd be the place to go and also the new readyupgear.com brand okay so you can go to readyupgear.com check things out and check out the new roger 22 over the ear ear protection uh go to conceal or geez readyupgear.com forward slash Roger 22 to check out the new Roger 22 muffs. Uh, I've been wearing them for a little while now and uh, I, I like them. They're, they're good product. And we got some, like I said, some, some new stuff, some other stuff coming that will make things even better. <laughs> I'm excited about that. So stay tuned. So with that, we're going to bug on out of here. Let you guys all go. I hope you all take care and are safe wherever you are. And until the next time, train right, train often, and train safe so you can fight hard, fight fast, and fight true. Take care. A reminder that laws vary from place to place, and we encourage listeners to seek local legal advice to understand applicable laws. The Concealed Carry Podcast, Concealed Carry Inc., ConcealedCarry.com, and their affiliates strive to share insights and stories about firearm-related incidents and laws, but things could be different where you live, or laws may have changed by the time you listen to this. We cannot be held liable for your actions based on the information shared in this podcast.